Hello, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer, and it's a pleasure to be with you here today on this Saturday, September the 3rd, as you kick off your Labor Day weekend, but I'm laboring here for you. The Sports Kiki Podcast, of course, you can find us wherever you find your favorite Outsports podcasts and podcasts in general. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You know the drill. Download, listen, rate, subscribe. I promise I'm not saying this just to show for myself or show for the podcast, but if you did not listen to my conversation last week with John Edward Heath, if you have about 20 minutes or so, that's free this weekend. I highly encourage you do so just to put yourself in a better headspace as we get past Labor Day and move into the fall, which I know can give some people some anxiety, can make you feel a little down, a little overwhelmed. Well, listen to John Edward Heath and what he's had to overcome over the last few years. Uh, he's a former Marine, and he's dealt with the suicide of his best friend, who killed himself while they were still serving together, his partner, who killed himself a couple years ago. And last year, he got his left leg amputated After 12 surgeries, he was hit by a drunk driver on New Year's Day 2016. And finally, as I said, after 12 surgeries that were ineffective, he decided to get his leg amputated. John Edward Heath now is a prosthetic, and he's training for the Paralympics. His goal is to be in Paris in 2024, competing in track and field. And he's not stopping there. He wants to compete at the Winter Games in 2026. He's doing adaptive CrossFit as well and hopes to compete in the CrossFit Games. He's a mental health advocate as well, with all of that going on. He's training alongside NFL coaches, NFL players. I saw on Instagram this week, he was recently training with quarterback Kurt Warner. So just an incredible man, an incredible story. And I think I said this last week, but it's worth repeating. One of the best parts of my job as deputy managing editor of OutSports is speaking with so many inspirational and strong people. And John Edward Heath is certainly at the top of that list. I mean, just think of what he's overcome. Suicide of his best friend, partner, amputation. And he's not only going strong, but he's going for Paralympic gold. So that is pretty awesome. John Edward Heath. So glad that I was able to connect with him and share that conversation with you. Uh, No guest on the show this week. Come on, I've had a guest three weeks in a row. That's a lot. (laughs) No, in all seriousness, uh, that's fine because I have a few things I want to get through. The main topic I want to discuss this week is the Netflix Manti Teo documentary, Untold, the story of his fake girlfriend, Lene Kakua. Manti Teo was catfished nine years ago. The story broke in January 2013. It was the biggest story in the country for a while. He was a star linebacker at Notre Dame, Heisman Trophy finalist, wound up being drafted in the second round of the NFL draft by the then San Diego Chargers, but if this fake girlfriend story didn't break, he definitely would have been a first-round pick probably a top five pick as well. Um, There's a lot of angles there, a lot of LGBTQ angles as well. And looking back now, almost 10 years later, I remember that story. I was a sophomore in college when it was all going down. And I was still closeted, actually, at the time. I came out a few months later. So that was a really interesting documentary for me to watch, especially because I was kind of going back to my headspace at the time when the story broke. And there were all the gay accusations around Teo and how you view it now, almost 10 years later. So definitely want to do that. But before we get to Manti Teo, let me talk about a couple of things that happened this week. John Gruden spoke for the first time since the New York Times unearthed his homophobic 
in misogynistic emails. He spoke at the Little Rock Touchdown Club in Arkansas. Now, Gruden, for those of you who need a brief catch-up, is a Super Bowl-winning NFL head coach, coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, resigned as coach of the Las Vegas Raiders immediately after the emails were published last October. So, again, it's been about 10 months since John Gruden has spoken publicly. Gruden's emails, again, misogynistic, homophobic messages, were discovered as part of the NFL's investigation into the troubling workplace culture of the Washington Commanders. The NFL gathered 650,000 emails in its investigation, but only John Gruden's were made public. And that is curious, and John Gruden is suing the NFL, and in May, a Nevada judicial court judge ruled that the case could continue in open court, denying the NFL's motion to keep the process sealed, and Gruden's emails were swept up as part of this investigation because he was emailing then-Washington team president Bruce Allen, and these messages are not good at all. In one of them, John Gruden called NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell a faggot and a clueless anti-football pussy. He criticized Goodell for supposedly pressuring the Rams to pick Michael Sam in the 2014 draft, referring to Sam as a, quote, queer and not in a good way. And as I mentioned, a lot of sexist and misogynistic messages as well. So not good stuff from John Gruden. So he spoke at the Little Rock Touchdown Club this week for the first time publicly since all this happened. And this is what he said, quote, I'm ashamed by what has come about in these emails, and I'll make no excuses for it. It's shameful, but I am a good person. I believe that. I go to church. I've been married for 31 years. I've got three great boys. I still love football. I've made some mistakes, but I don't think anybody in here hasn't. And I just ask for for forgiveness and hopefully I get another shot. Of course, what made Gruden's emails especially noteworthy last year, I mean, they would have been very noteworthy anyway, But what made them especially noteworthy is the fact that he was coaching Carl Nassib, the first out gay active player in NFL history. The Raiders released Nassib this offseason, and he signed recently with Super Bowl favorite, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So what do I make of John Gruden? Those of you who read my writing and listen to the show know that I am not a fan of cancel culture, and I am usually a proponent for second chances. I've received a few in my life, and I think pretty much everybody is deserving of one, but... You know, when it comes to John Gruden, my ultimate take is just meh. If I were to sum it up in one word or one sound, it would be meh. I really don't feel that badly for Gruden. I mean, do I think that he should be held to the words that he emailed a friend, then Washington President Bruce Allen? Uh, These emails were in the early 2010s. So, I don't know, let's call them eight, nine years ago. I mean, should John Gruden, should he be held to those words? No. It was a long time ago. As I mentioned, he coached Carl Nassib. Carl has not said anything negative about Gruden publicly. He was accepted and embraced by his teammates. He said a million times, the coaches. So I'm not saying that John Gruden is this raging homophobe. I have no idea. I mean, just because he used anti-gay language almost a decade ago in some emails, again, does not mean that he hates gay people, treats gay people differently, or anything like that. But, you know... I'm ashamed by what has come about in these emails, but I am a good person. And then he goes right to, I go to church. I've been married for 31 years. I mean, what does that have to do with anything? A lot of crummy people go to church. 
A lot of crummy people have been married for a long time. A lot of crummy people have children. You know, those things are mutually exclusive. And overall, John Gruden has made tens of millions of dollars in his career as a head coach, as a commentator for Monday Night Football. And he was actually the Monday Night Football analyst when he sent these emails. Uh, I think he's a huge egotist. It's come out over the last couple weeks that Tom Brady almost had a deal to go to the Raiders when he's a free agent in 2020, but Gruden nixed it. Why? Because he probably couldn't handle Tom Brady coming over and taking his spotlight. So John Gruden is just a huge egotist. As I said, he's made tens of millions of dollars in his career. He's been the lead voice for Monday Night Football. He's been a high-profile NFL head coach for a long time, and outside of the early 2000s with the Buccaneers, really has not done that much. Uh, He's highly overrated. I think he's an arrogant personality. And, you know, has he done the work at all to make amends for his words? I mean, look at Tom Brenneman, who has done the work and then some, and he's in the news again this week because he's starting a new podcast. Tom Brenneman has met with members of the LGBTQ community. Sid Ziegler wrote a great profile about him a few months ago, just about how much he's reflected about the harm that his words have caused and the impact that the F word has on members of the LGBTQ community. And it seems like Tom Brenneman has really done a lot of thinking and a lot of introspection. I don't really see that with John Gruden. I mean, he says his words are shameful. And then a second later, I go to church. I have boys. I've been married for 31 years. I mean, again, does not sound like a lot of introspection has gone on. So yeah, I mean, you know, should John Gruden be blackballed from society? No. But do I, am I really rooting for him to come back? Or do I have a huge appetite for John Gruden to come back? Him and his overrated track record as a head coach. He was a lousy analyst as well. Uh, No, I don't. Meh, again, would be my feelings towards John Gruden. I feel very differently about Tim Hardaway, uh, the NBA great who will be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame next weekend. Tim Hardaway, of course, made some very infamous comments over 10 years ago. It was 2007 in a radio interview. He said, quote, I hate gay people and went on a rant about he doesn't want them around him, doesn't want to converse with them, etc., Since then, talk about putting in the work, Tim Hardaway has done that as well. He's become a great advocate for gay rights, LGBTQ rights, and he recently sat down for an interview with the San Francisco Chronicle, and he reflected on his homophobic past and how he got to that point where he felt comfortable in a live radio interview saying, I hate gay people. Hardaway said, I grew up in a church, and that's the way churches were. They instilled in you that homosexuality wasn't the way you should be. I was just taught differently. Don't talk to them. Don't mess with them. Leave them alone. I never tried to talk bad about them or do hateful stuff. It was just my upbringing in church. But I will tell you this. It was so wrong of me. And people have suffered. I had to grow up and do some soul searching. What I said was just hurtful. And as I mentioned, Tim Hardaway has put in the work The last several years, he's denounced his words in that infamous interview time and time again. And of course, he'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame because of his incredible abilities as a basketball player. But he's also an example of Hall of Fame growth as a human being. 
as our Ken Schultz put it in his post this week. And I mentioned it. He's endorsed politicians who have supported same-sex partnerships. He became the first person to sign a 2013 Florida petition calling for a ballot initiative to legalize same-sex marriage. So that's not just Tim Hardaway over the last several years saying, I'm sorry, words are hurtful. He's put in the work and he's put himself out there campaigning for same-sex marriage before it really became mainstream. And it's apparent that he's grown into a much more mature person today than he was back then. So kudos to Tim Hardaway. People do change. People can change. And he continues to be a shining example of that. All right. Manti Teo, untold. The story of Lene Kakua. Lene Kakua, of course, was fake. Manti Teo was catfished. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Renaya Tiasopo made her up. I'm sorry, Renaya Tiasopo, excuse me, made her up. He was another Polynesian football player who knew Manti from Hawaii. Uh, Renaya Tiasopo is now a transgender woman. Naya Tiasopo, and that's how I will refer to her for the duration of this show. So basically, this doc is part of the Netflix series Untold, and basically, Manti and Naya were allowed to present their sides of the story side by side. And I do have an issue with the fact that Naya was allowed to tell her side of the story completely unchallenged, as if she was an equal here to Manti Teo. I mean, let's keep in mind that Naya catfished Manti Teo for years, faked the death of Lene Kakua, Manti's fake girlfriend, messed with his mind time and time again, just really mean-spirited behavior to take advantage of somebody's feelings like that. So no, she's not equal to Manti Teo. She was the perpetrator of this act. She was not a victim in any way. And at one point, she says, she felt betrayed that Manti played her voicemails on Katie Couric's show. Excuse me? You feel betrayed? <laughs> and you're the one who was faking who you were to Manti Teo for years, pretending to be this girl who you weren't? Messaging him, I love you, calling him, faking your voice, dedicating your life to this, basically. And you have the gall to say that you feel betrayed? Honey, please. So that's my issue with how the documentary was made. But on a deeper level, it is a really sad story. And part of me does feel sad that Naya felt compelled to live a fake life. She talks about how she grew up in a very conservative, football-focused, Polynesian family. She never liked football. But as a son, as her father's son, felt compelled to play football and play at a high level. And Lene Kakua was her outlet to escape. And she says that being Lene Kakua, this fake person, she created a Facebook page for her, Back in the day, Facebook, I guess, is what you do. Now, I guess you would create an Instagram account or something. But Facebook was it in 2012, 2013, that time. And she says that Lene Kakua was her alter ego and her way to escape from her miserable reality. And I have a lot of sympathy for that. 
But again, you don't have to hurt other people. You can deal with your own shit and not make other people's lives shit, if that makes sense. Still does not take away from the fact that what she did was very, very mean-spirited. Now, at the time when this all broke in early 2013, Deadspin had the story. And they also interviewed the Deadspin writers who broke it as well. Very interesting from a number of perspectives. Um, You know, when it happened, I, like many other people, thought Manti Teo was incredibly dumb and naive. You think, really? How can you fall for a fake girlfriend? Not just for a couple weeks, a couple months, but for a couple years. He tried to meet with her time and time again. She kept coming, coming up with excuses as to why she couldn't meet like the show Catfished. And at one point in time, you have to say, if you're Manti Teo, I mean, you are an adult, you are in college. Really? I mean, how, how could you fall for this? So that was my view of Manti Teo at the time. But now after watching the Netflix show, I have a greater understanding of where he came from. Manti also came from a conservative Polynesian family in Hawaii. He was very sheltered. His life was school, religion, in football. He originally wanted to go to USC, but he wound up going to Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. So a huge cultural adjustment for him as well. And talking to Lene gave him a real sense of comfort. And there's no doubt that he was still very naive to fall for this, again, for a number of years. But I understand him a little bit better now. He came from a very sheltered conservative family And the fact that he could be getting catfished didn't really ever seem to cross his mind. It's just something that he never really considered. He said he never even really heard of the concept until it happened to him. And I do believe that. So it makes me understand Manti Teo a bit more. And he, by the way, comes off amazingly in this documentary. He's now married. He has kids. And this ruined his football life. I mean, yes, the Chargers did take him in the second round, but he dropped from the first round, costing him millions of dollars in the process. His NFL career only lasted a couple of years. He was never the same player out there, never played with the same confidence. And he says that today, he forgives Naya Tiasopo. I mean, that is amazing that he says he forgives the person who ruined his life. I mean, that, well, not ruined his life. That's too strong. Ruined his NFL dreams. And that is really incredible. Now, this is especially relevant to us here at OutSports, and this is why I'm bringing it up on the show, is the gay issue. Of course, when Deadspin breaks the story that Manti Teo, world famous, uh, you know, this big famous football player, fake girlfriend, the gay question started to arise. And one of the theories was that Manti Teo was in on this hoax himself, and he perpetrated this hoax of the fake girlfriend to hide his sexuality. And this got a lot of steam. It was asked in a lot of places and not just on supermarket tabloids. Katie Couric asked Manta Teo on her talk show point blank, are you gay? And his response was no, far from it, far from it. And again, at the time, that did not sit well with me. But after watching the documentary and knowing where he came from, and knowing that his parents were at the taping of that show, where Katie Kirk asked him if he were gay, he was like a 21-year-old kid at the time. I can see how he would respond in that fashion. But also the question from Katie Kirk, are you gay? Like that. Are you gay? 
and a very accusatory tone didn't sit well with me then as a closeted college kid, and it doesn't sit well with me now. And if this happened today, I think the mainstream media would be much more tactful with how they handled all this. Again, the question, the gay question, just came off as very, very accusatory, as if it was this dirty secret that people, and especially football players, had to hide. And there are clips of Mike Florio saying in interviews in the doc that, you know, NFL teams need to know ahead of the draft whether Manti Teo is gay. And the victim was made into a laughingstock. And that's a shame. And yeah, probably a fair question to ask at the time, but it could have been asked in a much more tactful manner and a much more, what's the word I'm looking for? Just a much more, asked in a manner in which people should have considered the big picture more and said, okay, if on a, on a macro level, because that issue would have been, okay, if Manti Teo is gay, what does it say about football culture that he maybe had to go to these lengths to hide his sexuality? What does that say about football culture and how gay people are treated in the world of male sports? So that would have been the better point to talk about the gay issue, but that wasn't discussed It was framed in a very accusatory manner. Are you gay? And if you are, that's something to hide and be ashamed of. That's how I read all of that coverage at the time. That's how I view it now. And, you know, it is amazing how much the culture has changed even over the last 10 years. I mean, this was very clear to me watching the Britney Spears docs last year or two years ago whenever they came out about a conservatorship and how she was made into a laughingstock you know, mentally ill Britney Spears and how that was really just sexist and misogynistic and gross coverage. And the Manti Teo story is very similar in that respect. It was just, uh, the story was not handled well by anybody. And again, to go back to that line, the victim was turned into the laughing stock, which not cool at all. And I don't think would fly today. So I think a lot of the culture has changed for the worse over the last 10 years, but this kind of stuff has certainly changed for the better. So if you haven't watched it, if you have some time this weekend, pop it on. It's a good watch, a good look back at just that wild story and a lot of the culture at the time. As always, if you have any show ideas, guest ideas, feel free to drop me a line on Twitter. Against my better judgment, DMs are open. At AlexRemer1 is my username. That again is at AlexRemer1. So long, everybody. And I'll talk to you next on the show next Saturday.